He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. It's 5 o'clock show and uh, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And we, this TGIF, thank God it's Friday. And we have two common sense Democrats. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Governor David Patterson, and for a change, we finally have a Republican that works on Fridays. I have we a have, bad union. <laughs> we have former chief of staff to Rudy Giuliani, Tony Carbonetti. Tony, thank How are you, you for John? being here on a Friday. You won't see me much more. This is it. <laughs> this will be the last Friday. There must be summer. Yeah. And Lydia Serrani, my uh, uh, sidekick, and kick, keeps kicking me. Yes, and we got a great show for everyone today. It's Friday, but we're continuing to try to make a difference in this world. We're going to have Miami Mayor Francis Xavier Suarez, Dr. Peter Michalos, uh, uh Harry Wilson, uh, Larry Kudlow, because it's Friday, of course. But first on the line for us, right, we well, also, hey. Oh, Frank Carone. Frank Carone, the chief of staff. And of, Kathy Wiles. Of, uh, of Mayor Adams. He right. may be on today. He's at the yes. airport and, and he's holding. That he's means his flight got canceled. He's making the airplane wait for him to get the interview first. We'll and Kath- see. Kathy Wilde, too, has an important agenda. It appears that D.A. Bragg may have come up with a plan to combat uh, shoplifting. Tony, what did you say? He's, he's going to provide them with the plastic instead of paper? Yeah, they're going to give the criminals the, the <laughs> recycled bags. Oh, I the recyclable. Yes. Oh, so then no no waste. Or okay. is the five-point plan you can steal up to five things before you get prosecuted? Actually, it's called the five-finger <laughs> discount. <laughs> so this is very progressive. Yeah, on the line for us right now is General Jack Keane. He's a retired American four-star general, former vice chief of staff to the United States Army and Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. He's a national security analyst, and he's here with us. Hi, Jack. Uh, hi, General. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. Happy Friday to you. Happy Father's Day that's coming. Uh, delighted to talk to you. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, General, there's so many things happening in in Russia, Ukraine, uh, and and China, and you know, and we have an oil crisis in the United States. The the price of oil, and the American people are just disgusted. Sometimes they don't know what the truth is because there's reports that we're still buying oil from the Ukraine, uh, from from Russia, and there's reports that uh, that. Uh, uh, we, the United States is using Russia to negotiate with the Iranians and the Venezuelans. I mean, what the heck is the truth anymore? Well, well, certainly the uh, the fact that we're not using our oil, our own gas productions and oil productions in the United States to increase the volume is uh, is is a failure of this administration, in my, in my judgment. Uh, certainly, the uh, the war in Ukraine is, is a factor. Um, there's no disputing that, and and it's serious what has taken was what has taken place there. And we've talked about it before here uh, on your show, John, in terms of the suffering that's taken place. Uh, and interesting enough, though, the sanctions uh, are not having anywhere near the impact that uh, people thought they would have. And, and and I think Putin knew this. He he knew that he'd be able to at least weather the storm. Initially, and and he's doing that. I mean, the, the amount of money he's is it make, that general, or is it that the White House is really making believe the sanctions are there and they're not as tough as they should be? Yeah, well, the price of oil and the price of gas is a factor uh, because he's making more money off of it. And then the other the other issue is it. You know, we 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 declared that we were going to stop buying oil from uh, from Russia. Uh, but we weren't going to kick that in until the end of June, and you know we're about there now. And the Europeans have made similar decisions, but it really doesn't take full effect in Europe until the end of the year. So Russia actually, and this is staggering, despite the fact the sanctions have been imposed, uh, John, Russia is going to make more money this year from their energy revenue than they did last year despite the sanctions. And the ruble has managed to uh, recover from its initial drop 40%. It's back where it was uh, when the sanctions began to be imposed. And this is what Putin was counting on. He's counting on the fact uh, that the Europeans 
and the United States will not go all out on the sanctions and that he, he will have some breathing room at least early on. In the long term, these things will take a more serious impact on him if the Europeans do cut it all off by the end of the year. But in the near term, he's able to support this war uh, quite considerably within the resources that he has. General, what is your reaction to here? There was a new Yahoo News poll that came out that half of Americans, and it's actually bipartisan, Democrats and Republicans, both believe that America as a democracy will soon cease to exist. I feel like the faith that we had in this country is being slowly eroded by these radical, regressive policies. You, as a, as a general, obviously you put your life on the line for this country. To hear that kind of pessimism, what goes through your mind? Well, well, first of all, I mean, there is no disputing the fact that the political and social divisions uh, we have in this country are, are pretty considerable. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that, I, I believe, on a, on a similar scale. You have to go back uh, to the pre-Civil War days, I think, to find that kind of uh, significant disunity. But I'm not as pessimistic as, as some are about it. And, and the reason for that is I've got a lot of faith in the American people. I mean, look, if the American people use the weapon of an election to rheostat and fix the direction of the country. They did that in the election of uh, President Trump. I think we're going to see it. I'm not a political person, but this is you ask my view and I'll give it to you. I do think uh, we're going to see a, a course correction here uh, coming uh, in the midterm election. The American people have already spoken, I think, in various states in the country and various elections that they don't like the direction the country is, is moving in. And, and, and I put my faith in them. And, and I think, uh, yes, are we being challenged? Yeah, we are. Uh, uh, do we need some strong leadership in this country to help put us on the right path? You betcha. But also, the American people are not giving up on America. General, go ahead. You have something, Judge? General, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. I just read a report that the Chinese have this advanced artificial intelligence system to undermine the confidence of decision makers in the United States. So what they're doing is they want to play mind games to win the war without putting soldiers on the field. Do you know about those reports? Yes, yes. Well, the Chinese have been up to this for some time. Uh, certainly, uh, artificial intelligence and other technologies uh, are going to assist them. They they fundamentally want to undermine our civil society. They they want to increase this the sort of social and political divisions that exist here. They're working at that every day, as do the Russians. And if, if they can um, defeat America without having to fire a shot, uh, that's only in their interest. And they're dead serious about this. Uh, none, of this is, none of this is to be taken light, lightly. We haven't had a challenge uh, from a country since the rise of the Soviet Union, uh, the challenge that China is presenting to us. When, and when, when the Soviet that, Union even, was in its heyday until uh, Ronald Reagan bluffed them and told them that we have phases and they believe Star it. Wars. Star Wars. Um, General, one last question. And that's very true. The other thing, though, to note is that the Soviet Union never had a robust economy. That's true. And China uh, has a growing economy, which adds to the challenge that they're presenting. I mean, they want to dominate the the world economically, militarily, technologically, and geopolitically. And And this leader they have is the most ambitious, most aggressive, and most maligned since Mao Zedong. He has a deadline. Last question. We we got the the mayor's chief of staff on the other line. Uh, The last question. Sun Tzu, I tweeted it out this Sunday, is America under attack in so many, many directions by China? Yes, very much so. Uh, uh, Sun Tzu, uh, by the way, is... uh, Many of us in the United States military grew up around that strategist who I thought he's always brilliant. He wants to defeat the enemy without having to fight him. And that should be your first course of action. And that's, and that's what's happening. What the, and that's General, what that's Chinese what's happening to our are, country. Are about. We've got to get our act together. We've done it in the past. We can do it again. It's going to take leadership and determination and resolve to do that. General, General Keene, thank you so much. And, um, uh, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. 
Yeah, great talking to you. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you, General. Now on the line for us right now, we have Mayor Adams, Chief of Staff, Frank Carone. Thank you so much for calling in, Frank. Thank you so much for having me again. So Frank, give us, a, give us a Friday night update. Uh, what the heck is going on? I know uh, one of the things going on that uh, Alvin Bragg has put out that uh, five uh, things that he's going to do to fix shoplifting in our, in our city. And then we have the problem with uh, crime, whatever one you want to tackle. Well, thank you, John. So let's just start with the shoplifting because I'm not certain what uh, D.A. Bragg put out, but I could tell you that we're very proud. Last week we stood with Attorney General Tisha James, and uh, she followed up on a meeting we had earlier at uh, the beginning of the year where we discussed using different tools to take down some of these uh, shoplifters. And we knew that they were not, you know, someone who was just down on their luck and needed to buy diapers or someone who's indigent looking for, you know, just to grab something to survive. But these were real organized crime type tactics coming in, stealing volumes of uh, product off the shelves and then selling them through uh, Internet um, platforms. So Attorney General, to her credit, put her, you know, she saw that the NYPD, and to their credit, they already had an investigation going, and she deployed the correct laws. And we took down a, a, a large group, um, a large group that was organized, that was uh, financed, and we sent a message that this will not be tolerated. These, this type of shoplifting and terrorizing our, our stores will not be tolerated. And we're going to continue to be zealous about it and, and intentional. And we're going to. So, so on that front, we are happy to partner with all of our allies. And we, we, the mayor likes to say all the time, and I, I agree with him, and I think it's very refreshing that. Yeah, we won't agree on every single strategy or every single policy, but we don't focus on what we don't agree on, but we figure out what we can agree on and build off of that. And that's what we did just here. Uh, understood. Uh, I, we know you're uh, at the airport waiting for an airplane. Uh, anything else you'd like to discuss before uh, we let you go? Thank you so much, John. Yeah, I just we were in D.C. and Washington, and we made a presentation today. And our team, I'm proud to say, put put a really strong application and presentation forward for DNC. We want to host the convention, the Democratic National Convention 2024. That's we breaking news. Wow. We want to continue to host these type of events and showcase New York City and bring the, the benefits that come along with that. We were happy to partner with DNC and the team came together and in three short weeks put together what I would consider a world-class bid. We made the personal application today and um, I, we answered all the questions and we think we really put the best foot forward. I can tell you I'm going to sleep restful tonight because we, we certainly did our best job. That I'll tell you. Frank, it's Tony Carbonetti. I know you have the hardest job in the city. <laughs> Been there, and congratulations. This, this pitch, I mean, these are hard things to put together, and great. I wish you good luck with it. Thank you so much, Tony. Well, Frank Carone, thank you, and have a safe flight back to New York, and thank you for everything you do for our city. Thank you, John. Thank Appreciate you. it. And now on the line for us, we have Kathy Wild. She is the president and CEO of the nonprofit Partnership for New York City. How are you, Kathy? Thank you for calling in. Very well. Thank you. Tell me, what is Alvin Bragg uh, uh, talking about? Because uh, I saw a press clip, but it didn't have any details. So D.A. Bragg today announced the results of an effort he's been working on since January with small businesses and with the partnership with us here representing large businesses. And it is a plan to reduce retail theft in Manhattan, shoplifting and smash and go robberies, something we very much need. Including my hockey does? <laughs> including everything. They're going to be focusing on a much closer working relationship with the NYPD to aggressively identify those folks who have high rates of recidivism, who are committing, you know, it's a relatively small number of relatively well-organized people who are committing most of these robberies that have up uh, so much increased in uh, the recent Years, Kathy, it's Tony Carbonetti, but has he agreed to incarcerate people that three, four, five times? I mean, how many times do you have to get arrested before he decides to actually prosecute them? Actually, number four on his plan is it's is called focused deterrence, and which means that somebody with one felony 
they're going to go after and focus on if they have, a, and, and especially if they have multiple open cases and if they've missed a court appearance, that they're going to come down and they specifically say, yes, pre-trial detention. Kathy, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Uh, I remember there was an earlier discussion. He's going to try to look at aggregating uh, misdemeanor petty lawsuits together to make it a, a felony. Was that part of his plan? Yes, and that that is, again, dependent on – that's what they call the proactive investigations. That does depend on the retailer, the merchant, being willing and able to keep records of what's going on. So that's a two-way street. But the other thing they're looking at is the fencing operation. And, you know, we had the, – uh, the DA was part of the effort that uh, Attorney General Tish James announced where they had – finally gotten somebody who was actually D.A. Bragg. I spoke to him last night, and he said he was in the attorney general's office, and this was a case he pursued, was the the fencing operation running out of a pawn shop on 47th Street that was selling everything online. And it was mm-hmm. really organized crime and, uh, and using a bunch of local, like 40 local uh, uh, small petty theft people to to bring in all these goods, and then they were selling them online. So that's the kind of thing they're going to be breaking up. And Kathy Wild, uh, there was a story recently in the New York Post of a woman, I think she'd been arrested over 100 times for shoplifting, and she almost like kind of made a joke out of it. Is that the type of person that will finally then be held behind bars and not just given a, a ticket? That's That's right, that instead of somebody, you know, to get to a felony, it's been, if you took less than a thousand dollars worth of goods, it was still not a felony. But now if the storekeeper is able to keep the records, they have the camera shots, they will be able to aggregate repeat offenses. So somebody who thought they were being cute by stealing nine hundred and ninety nine dollars <laughs> worth of goods will now be in a position where they're gonna go to jail. How do we get the word out aside from being right here on WABC radio? Because I feel like a lot of the criminals Just arrest them. They've been gaming the system. They need to be put on alert. As you occupancy know? in Rikers goes up, we have to hold firm. We gotta they give can't a, cave in. We, we have to give a free WABC radio to everybody at Rikers. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you start uh, arresting people, it's like a network. The, the, they tell each the, other. Oh, they tell each other. Yes. And that oven in itself drops the crime rate. And the aggregating of these misdemeanor offenses to create a felony I have to give credit where credit is due. It was started by Governor George Pataki in the mid-1990s. When he right had three... now is in Hungary. And is in Hungary on their way to the Ukraine to build new homes there, I understand. And we're going to have a report. God bless him. Right. We'll, we'll have a report in from him. 25 years ago, he brought uh, the, the concept of three strikes and you're out into New York. And that was actually there for a while and was removed. And he's there, I believe, with Todd Shapiro. Who else is there with him? With uh, Governor Pataki? Yeah. Uh, well, Todd no. Shapiro's with him. He's in enough trouble as it is. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Kathy Wild, thank you for an update, and we'll catch up again real soon. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Have a good weekend. And uh, Let's take a break right now. We're going to come back with Larry Kudlow and a tidbit of what I spoke to uh, Bernie and Sid about this morning. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Oh, no. Not again. It's cutlow time. <laughs> Wait one more time. Oh. He's going to really break well, it. We have with us oh. uh, the number one economist in our country. Uh, in the, the world. One- in the world, in our country. So how about the solar system? Yes, he knows the solar system. We have too. with the us Larry Kudlow to, to tell us, uh, uh, Larry, uh, what the heck is going on? Uh, it's an end of another long week, and uh, the markets are, are choppy. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, that little bugle sound is my favorite song. <laughs> Larry, uh, I guess you guessed so nice it's we played it twice. not my favorite song. <laughs> well, the more it drives you crazy, the more I know I'm on the right. I know. I know. <laughs> but can the cavalry come soon enough? That's a concern here. Well, this was a interesting week. Um, uh, you had a very uh, good, probably a good first step from the Fed with a 75 basis point move. They're going to have to 
undertake several more steps to bring down inflation. Uh, so I, I'd say I'd, you know, I'd give them some decent marks. They're behind the curve. They're still behind the curve, but um, they, they, uh, they uh, took the right first step. I wish somebody would give them some help on the fiscal side. They're, I, it's hard to believe, but they're talking about a deal between my friend, Joe Manchin, who helped us save America and kill the bill, uh, something he's cooking up uh, with Chuck Schumer that would be $900 billion in spending and a $1.6 trillion tax increase, which would just be the worst possible, possible thing. So that's hard to believe. Um, Joe Biden now has declared war against uh, fossil fuel companies, um, maybe send 20, 30,000 National Guardsmen to Midland, Texas. Surround uh, ExxonMobil, maybe go after <laughs> Chevron. I mean, it's hard for me to believe. Well, they did Biden. hold Janet Yellen hostage, remember? Yeah, I know. That was a hostage video. This is a real thing. <laughs> Larry, it's Tony Carbonetti. Why does he treat Exxon as if it's owned by an individual and there's one guy at the top keeping all the money? Doesn't he understand where this money goes? It's in everyone's 401k and pension plans. Don't worry. They're going to give out gas cards. Didn't you hear about that? Yeah, the gas cards. Um, the answer, Tony, is he doesn't understand it. He just doesn't, you know, Darren Wood doesn't own it. I know Darren Wood. He's a very smart man, the CEO. And I, one of the things I love about this story is um, he said they're not paying their fair share of taxes. So ExxonMobil get this paid $40 billion in taxes last year. Yeah, they're not, they're not a tech company. And, and no, they're not in, a tech company. They pay dividends taxes. to the 401k shareholders. Right. And how many thousands of employees do they have? Yeah, hundreds of thousands, actually, hundreds of thousands of employees. You know, we had Mike Summers on our show this evening. Uh, he's the president of the American Petroleum Institute and a very smart guy. I've known him a good many years. And he said, you know, with the issue of uh, uh, Biden is complaining about the lack of refining going on for gasoline from oil, uh, the EPA has shut down three refiners, uh, uh uh, uh, refining depots in the last two years. They've shut them down because of these radical environmental restrictions. Larry, and, and what was the last one built? We we haven't had a refiner, new refinery built since the 1970s. Yeah, 40 exactly. years, 50 years. And, yeah, and, had, and I sent you the scoreboard uh, that Fox sent me uh, that uh, we're down to 121 refineries. And, and uh, 20 years ago, I think we had 154. So we're down to 121 refineries, and the EPA is putting the squeeze play on all of them. And when I talk to the White House uh, people, they say, well, if we put the squeeze play on gasoline and raise the price high enough, people will be happy buying electric cars. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just craziness for for an average cost of about $60,000 $60, an electric vehicle. So, you know, that's what they're doing. And the other thing Mike Summers said was the for the existing refineries – uh, especially in California, uh, they're passing mandates to process other fu- uh, fuels, not gasoline fuels, um, other fuels, you know, distillates and so forth, in order to meet these requirements. So you're a million barrels short of gasoline right now, at least, and it's uh, expansion of refineries is virtually impossible, and new refineries is out of the question. So you get what you deserve, which is very high gasoline prices, which has really nothing to do with Vladimir Putin. This is a homegrown, uh, self-inflicted uh, problem, and uh, they have no understanding of it. But again, you know, you saw the reports this week um, with respect to Chevron and and uh, Valero and uh, Exxon. You know, they all wrote responses to the White House attack on them. And they noted that during the campaign, Joe Biden was very clear that he wants to end fossil fuels, end it. And so this, these crazy policies uh, are a deterrent, a disincentive to make any new investments, even though the government won't let you. So you have um, a very bad story. And probably the thing, my favorite thing was the AP interview now. Uh, Biden's first press interview in quite some time, where he said morale in the country is low. Morale in the country is low. Well, yeah, you're Starts right. At the morale top. in the country is low <laughs> because of what he's done. 
because of high inflation, high gas prices, uh, no baby formula, high food prices when you can get your hands on the food. Uh, Real wages are falling. A couple million people coming across the border uh, illegally. Uh, A terrible uh, calamity in Afghanistan last year. Yeah, morale is low. People in America are not happy. Uh, I mean, we had new Fox poll today. I think Biden got 28 percent favorable uh, on inflation or something like that, and uh, almost 70 percent unfavorable. And um, you had another poll, I don't know, Politico or one of these polls uh, showed right way, wrong way. Uh, he's underwater by 30 percentage points. That's why morale is low. That's why. You know, you know what I can ask? I asked a friend of mine today uh, that seems like he's, uh, he's got a brain. He's got a common sense. And I asked him, uh, would you vote for Biden for another term? Because he's a, a you know, Democratic guy. And he says, yes, I would. Mm. I just couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, at least we found a loyal uh, (laughs) – someone who's loyal. That's one of the 28%. Yeah, that's the one of the 28%, John. Yeah. You know, uh, Lydia, John was trying to talk me into Chuck Schumer last night (laughs) by saying that Schumer had 1,600 on his college boards. I didn't believe it, but apparently it's on his website, (laughs) advertising it. And uh, Bill Bennett texted me uh, and said that, you know, he's had a debate about that. But, John, I got to tell you, your pal Chuck Schumer and my pal Joe Manchin are cooking up this deal for a huge tax hike and more spending on renewables. That is just about the dumbest thing I ever heard. And by the way, it's tax it's taxes on corporations and investment. So in other words, the supply side of the economy, which right now is underfed, would be even worse. You, you'll have too much money chasing even fewer goods. And I know you don't want a recession. I don't want a recession. Nobody wants a recession. But while the Fed is uh, is damping down the money supply and normalizing interest rates, you could use some supply-side incentives with lower taxes and fewer I regulations. I agree. I agree. And, if, and if, the Democrats, if the Democrats force a recession, which doesn't have to be, if the Democrats force a recession, then they will definitely lose the Senate. John, why does it feel like the Biden and I'll ask this to Larry and all the guys here? It feels like the Biden administration wants to punish those who are successful. That's what it seems like. I thought taxes were supposed to prohibit you or kind of giving you a like a de-incentivize you from doing something. Why would you tax industries? Lydia, this is the game plan. They want gas to be five dollars a gallon because then they can say, oh, we need to spend on renewables. We need to spend on alternatives. We need, it's they, an excuse. They, at two, at two what, fifty a gallon, they can't do Staff to Obama used to say, "Don't, don't uh, underestimate. Don't waste a good crisis. Never waste a crisis. Oh, oh I thought you were going to say crisis. what did Obama say? Don't underestimate the ability can't spend to billions on that on renewables. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this: this progressive experiment has gone down in flames, and the cavalry is coming. And Americans you don't know, do it. <laughs> this um, this business about low morale. You know, Biden is is on to something now. He's blaming it on COVID, but I think COVID is passing. Thankfully, uh, this is much much larger and more widespread. There's Americans who are unhappy, you know, about sinking real wages. By the way, their retirement earnings are getting damaged in the stock market. They're not happy about that. And gasoline at the pump. And a number of these economic issues and education issues and uh, border issues, this is not a happy country. And that, I hate that because uh, I want America to be happy. That, and that's our nature. That's our spirit. So Didn't Jimmy Carter, uh, an, didn't Jimmy Carter call it the great malaise? The yeah, the great malaise. That's right. So this this is going to be a big punishment. What's coming here is a big punishment. And that's good. Look, that's the beauty of our democracy. You can try these crazy left-wing socialist experiments. Go ahead and try them. We do them every now and then. And then they fail like they always do. And then uh, the bums get thrown out. So I'm all for it. You know, I think it's fine. Uh, it took Carter to get Reagan. And uh, it's taken Biden to get somebody who's going to be better, more of a supply sider and uh, somebody who believes in work and success rather than welfare. And we'll be okay. 
we're going to be fine. This is America. Uh, I'm an optimist. But right now we're in a very, you know, negative, dark lull period. And um, and uh, this, too, will pass. But we just have to put our shoulder to it and we'll come. OK, we'll be OK on the other side of this. We'll be we'll come out. OK. Well, Larry Kudlow, thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and uh, you too, John. L- let's be brief. But the good news then. is the market can't go down on Monday. <laughs> it's not open. It's not oh. open. <laughs> All right. Now, Thanks that's uh, what, then, what new federal holiday is Monday? Yeah, Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Well, you're black. You should know about it, Governor. I never heard of it. <laughs> Larry no, Kudlow. I'm just kidding. Larry <laughs> Kudlow, we'll catch up again soon. Have a great weekend. I don't know Thank you so much. Let's Easy. take a break. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. With us today is Harry Wilson, candidate for governor in the state of New York. Harry Wilson, how would you make New York a better place to live? Well, John, it's great to be with you. Thanks for uh, the time. So, as you know, my entire background is I'm, I'm a business guy, not a politician. I've spent 30 years fixing broken organizations. And so we have a turnaround plan for New York State that has three primary pieces. One is we have an anti-crime plan, making New York safe, that will fire rogue DAs, repeal cashless bail, support our men and women in law enforcement, and a long list of other reforms. Second, we're going to cut taxes by 20% across the board for income taxes and property taxes. We're going to do that by, by cutting spending at the state level by $25 billion. And that's all consistent with my past. We've already identified the spending cuts we'll implement in our first budget. And third, uh, particularly for struggling middle-class, working-class families, we're going to repeal the regulations that drive up the cost of food, energy, and housing coming out of Albany. If you add those last two pieces together, John, they add up to $3,000 to $5,000 a year for middle-class families. Total game-changer for families struggling to get by, particularly given uh, record inflation right now. So we will make, by the end of 2023, through our first budget, New York will be more affordable, more prosperous, and safer. What do you plan to do with uh, the people along the border uh, with Pennsylvania? The people on the Pennsylvania border with the fracking are driving Cadillacs and Mercedes. The people uh, along the border with New York State, in New York State, they're poor. They're, they're as poor as heck. They're driving 56 Chevys. Uh, what can we do to... To, to, to make their lives better? Yeah, no, it's, it's a huge question. As, as you know, I, I'm the only candidate running who grew up in upstate New York, and my wife's family, her dad, actually, their family moved from Greece to Endicott, which is in the southern tier right near the uh, Pennsylvania border, so right smack dab in the middle of what you're talking about. In fact, her uncle lives there today. And it, it's heartbreaking when you go there knowing that the missed opportunity, which is driven by Pennsylvania, has taken advantage of the opportunity for fracking and be able to kind of grow uh, and develop a, a natural gas industry that's safe, clean and um, incredibly uh, economically valuable for the people there and for the state. And we, over the border, because of bad policies from the Cuomo-Hoco regime, have not done that. And so I would reverse that. I would make sure that we can have the safe extraction of natural gas that is both good for all consumers, can be done environmentally soundly, and is great economically for the southern tier. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of a regional approach I would take to, to the state. Like, you know, I've, I've lived all over the state. I'm the only candidate who has. I have family all over the state, so I know it not as a politician, but as a, as a person, as a resident. And this, this state has incredible, incredible uh, assets and opportunities, and every part of the state has different challenges. And so I would have a very regional fo- focus on economic development, um, utilizing the core competitive advantages of each region and investing in those and allowing those to grow and develop in a low-tax, low-regulatory, business-friendly climate, which, as you know well, is the opposite of what we have today, unfortunately. Uh, but, the, but the you know, kind of uh, natural gas development in the southern tier is just one example of that amongst the various regions of the state. Uh, the most, one of the most important other things in the New York City, New York State, is crime. And I, I, my personal belief is people are going to vote for Whoever is fixing the crime problem in New York. We have 66 million tourists that are missing from New York City because they're scared to come to New York. Uh, What say you? Yeah, well, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and on top of everything you just said, which I totally agree with, you also have, you know, subway ridership is down, you know, 40, 50 percent from where it was pre-pandemic, in part because people were afraid to ride the subway. It's just unacceptable. We cannot 
in 2022 or in, in any part of this country have people afraid to go to work, afraid to come visit, afraid to live their lives and, and do the things that all New Yorkers uh, love the city for. And so, you know, that, that's why it's, it's been a focal point of my turnaround plan. I think it's, you know, we know what worked. It did work for the better part of 20 years before bad policies from Bill de Blasio and Albany Democrats wrecked what had been achieved under Giuliani and Bloomberg. And so a lot of what our crime plan is about is reversing the things that have been done over the last few years, going back to what worked. Um, we talked a bit about uh, repealing cashless bail and supporting our police officers, which are important parts of that. But as we built our plan, there are a lot of other things, including fixing the discovery reforms that have made uh, prosecuting crimes much harder. It made uh, DAs turn DAs into paralegals rather than prosecutors. Uh, it's, it's, it's fixing raise the age and parole reform so that people who commit violent crimes or crimes with weapons or repeat offenders are, are kept behind bars and have a much higher standard uh, than, uh, than, than uh, is currently the case. And a bunch of other things that we think collectively will end up bringing our crime levels back to where they were three years ago, which was much better than where they are today, and basically relearning the lessons of the past. I understand. Uh, we have a minute left. Anything else you want to tell uh, people? Yeah, I think the, the reason this election is so important, the reason I turned my life upside down and came into this race, was because I think this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity for Republicans to win and to fix the state. And you need both a candidate who can build crossover support and build a bipartisan coalition to win in a heavily Democratic state, and you need someone to actually succeed as governor. And I would argue, because of my 30 years of fixing failed organizations, uh, at the highest levels of American business, companies from General Motors to Sotheby's, the largest trucking company in the country. That's the skill set we need as governor. I'm the one best position to succeed as governor. And secondly, because I'm the only Republican who's come close to winning statewide in my one and only campaign in 2010, I believe that puts me best position to actually win to get elected. Uh, and so that, for that reason, I think we can't blow this chance by electing, by nominating someone who either can't win or can't succeed as governor. We got to pick the, the guy best position to both. Uh, be a great governor, but also to win in November. I like to think I'm uh, uh, that person. I'd love to get people support on June 28th in the primary. Harry Wilson, uh, Republican candidate for governor in uh, in the primary in uh, New York State. Uh, good luck, and thank you for coming on this uh, today. Thanks so much, John. Great to talk to you. Take care. You're listening to one of the most iconic stations in the nation, an American original. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. And now, Janine Pirro sounds off. Now, Joe Biden is worried about the parallels that people are making to his presidency and the presidency of Jimmy Carter. More after this. Listen, the last time the economy looked like this, the stock market tanked 50%. The U.S. dollar lost 46% of its value, and the price of oil quadrupled. Yet while the U.S. economy collapsed and inflation ran through the roof, the price of gold shot up 1,300%, and silver skyrocketed over 800%. So if history repeats itself, we could see it happen again. Judge Janine Pirro here to ask you, can you afford to miss what could be the biggest gold and silver boom of our generation? That's why I want you to call Gold Co. at 855-838-GOLD. Because when you do, you'll not only get the chance to protect your retirement savings with gold and silver, as one of my listeners, you could get $10,000 or more in free silver just for doing it. This is a rare opportunity. So don't miss out. Call 855-838-GOLD. That's 855-838-GOLD. And now, Janine Pirro sounds off. Now, Joe Biden is worried about the parallels that people are making to his presidency and the presidency of Jimmy Carter. Joe, don't worry about that. Try as you might, you've already surpassed him. You have the worst numbers in presidential history, the lowest approval numbers, lower than any other president. So stop worrying about Jimmy Carter and start worrying about getting this economy back going again. Start worrying about how you're going to allow people to be able to afford gas and afford food. Stop worrying about yourself. Keep listening for more entertaining and informative opinions from Judge Janine Pirro. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You're commuting home with 
Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us is our resident medical genius, Renaissance man, who was in studio here yesterday. Then he went off to the Yankee game. Dr. Mikolos, how was the game, by the way? It was great. The Yankees won, and they did very well. We were very happy. Uh, to be there. You sound that very enthusiastic. That was a enthusiastic. walk-off home run by... It's news when they don't win. Anthony, the first baseman. Rizzo. Thank you. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo. It was a great game. It was fantastic. Well, and today t- we're going to talk about how we can stay healthy so we can continue seeing uh, Yankee games and listening to WABC. Uh, we need to take care of our hearts. And 360,000 Americans die a year from heart disease, which is a big problem in this country. So we need to take care of our heart because our heart is our master pump of the life fluid blood. And basically, uh, it also has to feed itself, which is interesting. And those are the coronary arteries. And when they don't get enough blood, it affects the way the heart beats. That's the abnormal rhythm or blood clots or sudden heart attacks or cardiac arrest. So some of the things we now know that we need to do are things like controlling our blood pressure. When our blood pressure is elevated, the vessels say, I can't take it anymore, and they start getting narrower. When they get narrower, they can't feed the heart wall. That's why we now know that exercise causes the blood vessels, which have elasticity, to dilate and contract. So when the blood vessels are in motion and we exercise, plaques and cholesterol can't stick to the walls of the arteries. And that's why also they found out that saunas, a big study in Finland, showed that when the vessels dilate in the heat of a sauna and contract, you get less coronary artery disease and less plaque, and those people live longer and had less heart disease. The other thing we now know is about cholesterol and lipids that accumulate on the wall, and there's two types of plaques. There's soft plaque and hard plaque. The hard plaque is what actually really narrows it and stiffens the wall, and those are the people who end up needing bypass or stents or even open heart surgery to bypass those blood Now, well, tell us the difference between LDL and HDL that we all see on our blood tests. Well, the mnemonic to remember it is LDL is the lousy cholesterol, and HDL is the happy cholesterol. The LDL is the bad cholesterol because that's how you remember, and that's the mnemonic, and that one tends to accumulate on the wall of the arteries. There are medicines that can lower it, but, of course, the diet, the plant-based diet, and uh, things like avocado, olive oil, walnuts help actually to raise the happy cholesterol, the HDL, and lower the bad cholesterol. There are medicines called stats, but there's a new generation of injectable medicines called PSK9 inhibitors that were first came out in 2015. One of them was invented by George Yankopoulos at Regeneron, and uh, that basically is a shot that you take every two weeks, and that dramatically reduces for people who can't tolerate oral lipid medicines. You just take the shot, and it works amazing. And uh, actually, the Cleveland Clinic study showed it actually can reverse blockages, which is amazing. So two of them, one is Prowulin from Regeneron, and Amgen makes one called Repatha. And there's even a new one that's twice a year called Inclisiran. But that one's still relatively new. But the other ones have been around now for seven years and show amazing results in reducing heart disease and unplugging clogged arteries. So that's pretty uh, amazing. So these things are available to people, but sometimes the insurance companies don't want to pay for it. And there's a lot of uncompensated administrative burdens in the doctor's offices who have to fill out many forms to try to get it and advocate for their patients. Dr. Mikolos, I saw a new study that said sitting is now the new smoking, that if you're sitting down for more than eight hours a day, your chance of heart attack or stroke increases dramatically. Why is that? Because your blood vessels are not moving. Remember what we just said, when you even just standing up, when your arteries are contracting and dilating, whether you're walking, moving, the plaque doesn't have a chance to, to, to solidify. So that's why when your vessels dilate and contract, they rarely ever get clogged up. When you're just sitting there, they stay in one position. You get heavy, you get obese. Also diabetes, there's something called glycosylation of protein. Basically, when your sugar goes up, it sugar coats all our As cells. As we speak, Judge Weinberg sugar is lifting weights and he's getting in, in shape. 
<laughs> yes, use it or lose it. Keep moving, and uh, that's very important. And uh, the high-intensity exercise, giving our bodies a perceived environment of adversity. When we think we're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, we get on a treadmill and we try to push ourselves, then our body goes into repair mode because it thinks that there's adversity, and that's called hormesis. When the body senses adversity, that's when it, it, it starts healing, and that's why certain plants that have been exposed to adversity, like, for example, olive trees that have been in UV light and dehydrated places, those olives contain more polyphenols, which have more health benefits to you. So we're, we're all tied in. Also, we now know alcohol and the gut microbiome. When you drink more than one bottle per week and more than three and a half beers per week, it causes leaky gut syndrome, which affects the permeability of our gut, and inflammatory cells enter and there's a blood test called CRP, highly sensitive C-reactive protein, and also our cortisol levels are important. And when we measure those, we can determine whether we have inflammation and alcohol is related to inflammation. Now they know that. It's a new study. Thousands of people have followed. So these are things we can do to help ourselves and save ourselves from heart disease and preventing uh, further problems. So diet, exercise, sleep hygiene reducing alcohol consumption, plant-based diet, try to eat farm to table the best you can, and omega-3 acids, the fatty fishes like salmon, are all helpful in reducing heart disease. So what did you eat at the Yankee game? Hot dogs. I had a hot dog. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, thank you so much, I, uh, Dr. Mikolos. I brought my Lipitor spray with me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Mikolos, and thank you always for your wisdom, and happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. And uh, I just uh, want to talk about everybody. And a lot of us knew him. Uh, we had a death uh, in, our, in our related family. Uh, and rest in peace, uh, New York Police Department Chief Chuck Show, uh, a, um, a real good guy. He was only 63 years old. Oh, my God. 41 years on the job. And he God retired like about a year or two ago. It shows you you can't retire sometimes unless you have something to do. Used to see him at the PAL lunches. All he the came time. to every police athletic league lunch. Wonderful, a wonderful man. man, Chief uh, Chuck Scholl. I mean, I can't believe he's only sixty three years old and he had everything to live for. So, John, the last time um, Tony was here, we were talking about you possibly maybe buying some radio stations, right? What was your idea, Tony? Because we know that George Soros is buying up, what, 18 radio stations. John should buy competing stations in those neighborhoods, in those same circumferences. And uh, and you'll, before well, long, you'll, have the, Soros, you'll take anybody, over the market. Uh, we were supposed to have Mayor Suarez one, from Miami talk about it today. And yesterday we had uh, the Congresswoman, Congresswoman Salazar. The Cuban and Latino community is up in arms. There were these, you know, the Cuban, the Latin community is switching over from the Democratic Party. That's why he's doing this, John. The Republican Party. And it used to be the other way around. He be, wants to control the message. That's why. And George Soros is buying 18 fairly conservative Spanish stations. To try to take them offline. To try to take them either offline. Or move them towards the Democratic towards Party. A, the progressive. Uh, progressive part. And, John, this isn't the first time. In 2004, uh, President George W. Bush got 40% of the Latin vote when he ran uh, for re-election. Well, the Quinnipi- Quinnipiac University poll found that just 26% of Hispanics approve of jo- Biden's job performance. And uh, that was in April. So I can only imagine it is... Conservative, hardworking family values. Well, they're pro-God, pro-family... People. Yes. Yeah, they're pro-God, pro-family, anti-radical stuff. I mean, you know, they, they don't want to see drag queens telling their little kids stories. And I mean, that, this is ridiculous. And that election they just had in Texas, that special election for the House. Lydia, what did you say about this? Myra Flores. She is Mexican-born. She's married to a Border Patrol agent. She flipped a it – it's been blue for 150 years, and she flipped it red. And she said the reason is simple is because Hispanics are pro-God, pro-family, and pro-hard work. And they're not they don't identify anymore. That's not the Democratic Party anymore. If you're from an immigrant family, you know why your family came here and you don't share the values these progressives do. Right. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, every time she says like a a Latin word, she throws like a, you know, Latin, you know, the accent on it. Do you know she can't even speak Spanish? She's like conversational at best. 
And so she's a phony. She's born and raised in Yorktown Heights. And these are the people that these regressives idolize. You we, know, she was in Washington, D.C. and like Lydia, the kids swarmed her like she's a rock star. Lydia, not only that, when she ran for Congress and won, she lost the Hispanic community in the Bronx. She was elected by the socialists in Queens. Right. They targeted enough votes to get her over the hump. And right. It, it wasn't. It was eight or nine thousand. It wasn't. Plus, a, the fact that her candidate hadn't lived there in ten years was a minor. Well, he was and busy campaigning for Nancy's jobs. Yeah, cost <laughs> us twenty-seven billion dollars from Amazon in Queens. No, but Explain John, it, John. It wasn't even her district. wasn't even her district. It wasn't even her. She was the district. one that no, but, squashed but, that no, wait, Amazon deal. To, to be fair here, she had nothing to do with Amazon not coming to New York. It was that the governor had a press conference and didn't tell anybody in Queens that he was having it. And then when they all started talking about what's going to happen in my district and that kind of thing, that groundswell caused uh, Amazon to put out. Put out. Uh, Ocasio wishes that no, the, she had that kind of power. Okay, but let me modify that by saying the leader of the anti-Amazon group was Generis, who is the, uh, the deputy leader of the Democrats in the state Senate. He's the one who led the charge against it. And, of course— of course, people, 25,000 jobs, and these were six-figure jobs. These weren't pedestrian jobs. And everything it could have done for the infrastructure and the quality of life and the services were lost because of that ridiculous policy. And, no, you know, Amazon Honor, you're is absolutely is... right. Mm-hmm. But all I'm trying to tell you is, yes, it was Janaris. Yes, it was the other Queen's elected officials. It wasn't her. Oh, she only took credit for sabotage. Right. She waited till it was over and then acted. Because at that time, all the media attention was... Focused you on know, her. a report came out that Amazon is growing so fast that they don't know if they'll be able to have enough, find enough employees because no, like they're, they're hiring closing, so many they're people. Closing a lot of places too, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he, talking about union operations, Starbucks in Ithaca, New York, they got unionized. They closed the store, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't know what Amazon is going to do in Staten Island. That's still open uh, up. It's possible, but um, it, it's. You know, Governor, I mean, where do you think we are? I think we're at a a tipping point where I think that uh, what Tony said is right. Um, Most activism and radicalism occurs when economies are good, strangely enough. You don't hear this when people start losing a lot of money and there's high unemployment and people walking the streets looking for jobs. So I think that there will probably be a correction Somebody said that. I guess it was Larry Kudlow said that. I think there'll be a correction in a couple of years. And as much as it hurts to say it, it'll probably be good for the country. We're out of time. Thank God it's Friday. And uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, David, uh, uh, Governor David Patterson, Chief, Chief. Thank you, John. Tony Carbonetti and my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. Uh, It's Friday. We hope the sun shines this weekend. We need a weekend. And some of you, I mean... There's a federal holiday. You know, you don't work for the governor anymore, but governor, and so you don't have to take a holiday. Will no. you be taking it off, John? John never <laughs> takes a day off. I never. I don't. I don't take Christmas. Off. I know. I'm joking. It's the well, end of slavery. It's a thank great you. Thank you all, gesture. and uh, and uh, thank God it's Friday, and uh, have a great weekend. And what do we stand and what for? What do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and, and the American, American way. way. 